Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. I guess we can go ahead and get started. I don't know how many of you guys saw, posted a question um, there in, in the, the group about this particular song. Uh, the song that I've chosen this week Uh, is How Great Thou Art. Um, As I was reading about this song, uh, the history of it is is pretty cool. Uh, But I do want to to post in here, you guys, um, you know, what is your favorite hymn? Uh, Whatever your favorite hymn is, on that... um, On that comment right there, reply what your favorite hymn is. Uh, Maybe I can dig through some of what you guys love, ones that that you really enjoy, and come up with the history of those. Um, And then you guys can get to know what that is and and know a little bit more about your song. So, um, But How Great Thou Art. found this one was in my hymn stories, my 101 hymn stories book. Uh, It's... It's got quite a history. It's got quite a a past. Um, So we'll get started on that. Um, This song was first introduced. uh, This song was first introduced to American audiences when uh, James Caldwell sang the song, How Great Thou Art, at a Stony Brook Bible conference in Long Island in 1951 is what they say here. Um, But it really didn't become very uh, popular until a certain group of uh, two individuals started singing this. Some of you may know know who I'm about to mention. Um, Cliff Barrows and um, George Beverly Shea. Uh, They sang this song. For the Billy Graham evangelistic team, there was a lot of his crusades where that song was sang. Uh, became very, very well known um, to America and, and the rest of the world based upon um, the singing there, okay? But um, that's not the origin of the song. Uh, that's that's not where it ended. Um, that is where it began. Or that is not where it began. This is that's where it became popular. The beginning of this song goes all the way back to 1886 by a Swedish individual who wrote a poem. His name was Reverend Carl Boberg. All right, in 1886, 
his inspiration for this song came from a visit to a beautiful country estate, it says, on the southeast coast of Sweden. Now, the cool part about this is the inspiration came from a midday storm, it says, with all inspiring moments of flashing, uh, they said flashing violence. Soon afterwards, there was a clear and brilliant sun. We've all been in those type situations. We see um, the storms happen and the lightning crashes in the midday and the rains come hard. And then it all kind of ceases and then the sun comes out. Um, the calm comes. Then he said he could. he's standing out there and he could hear... The rustling of the trees, the birds singing, and this experience, basically this experience just drove him to his knees. He was humbled in adoration, it says, of an almighty God. Uh, his words were then penned in a nine stanza poem. Alright, beginning with the sweetest words. Now, those of you here that know Swedish, um, you can tell me what this means. Oh, store good, nar jag den varld baskader. Alright, so that is the, the, the beginning of the Swedish poem. Uh, it is said that later on, uh, he wrote or he, he came into an area where he was preaching and was surprised to hear that this song was being sang an arrangement of a old Swedish folk melody. Alright? So nine stanza poem is how this began. Well the story doesn't end there. What happens is the text was later then translated into German by a fellow by the name of Manfred von Glenn. Um, it was entitled, We Gross Bist Du. Alright, so there's a Swedish poem, then it is translated into German by a German writer. Alright, so now the Germans are singing this song. Then in 1925, I don't have a date for when it was um, translated into German. But in 1925, a fellow by the name of Reverend E. Gustav Johnson of Chicago, Illinois, makes an actual literal English translation from the Swedish text. All right? Now, this translation, they say, is quite different from the song that we know today. Um, but it says that, and I didn't get a chance to look this up in the hymn. I was going to look. Um, it may still be found in some of the hymnals. Um, it is the, it's titled, O Mighty God, When I Behold the Wonder. All right, so that is an actual literal word-for-word -word translation out of the Swedish into the English, all right? So that happened in 1925. A couple years later, a Russian by the name of I.S. Prokhanov, comes across the German version of the song, and he translates it into the Russian language. All right? So now it is translated into a the Russian language. Now we have 
Swedish, we have German, we have English, and now we have Russian. All right? So that happened in 1927. Um, in 1933, we have a Reverend S.K. Hine. Now, this is the version we know. All right? Reverend S.K. Hine and his lovely wife. Um, shout out to all the beautiful wives, especially mine. They were English missionaries ministering to the people of the Ukraine. Um, there they hear the song. The Russians are singing the translation of um, Prokhanov. Um, they were singing that song, and they, they really liked it. Um, it. They sang a duet with it. They learned their song. The words rang in their, their minds. Um, really struck their hearts, right? They really enjoyed it, but... That wasn't when they started writing what we know today. Um, as they were leaving, they were crossing into what's called um, Subcarpathian Russia. All right? um, it was there they started to recognize and see um, the mountain scenery. So they're watching all this pass before their eyes. They're seeing the mountains. Um, they're just... Taking in all of God's creation. Um, that's when the the Russian songs started playing in their head. And that is where the first three verses of what we know come to play. The um, They were born, line upon line, um, on the Carpathian Mountains. They just, the awe of God's wonder. Now, this is, this is awesome because... Um, here again, we have just God's creation happening and a few people take a moment to stop and just soak all of this in and it inspires this, not even an inspire, but it, it wells up this joy, this, this excitement of how great their God is, how mighty and powerful and amazing of a God he is. So they have, they write the first couple words. Um, initially, um, based upon the, the, the Russian words and then partially by the awesome wonder that they see, um, they, they write the thoughts of the first two verses. Um, Reverend Hine and his wife continue their, their evangelism in the Carpathian Mountains and distributing the gospel um, village after village. So as they're doing this, then comes the third. So, you know, the awe-inspiring comes up with all the songs, the, the, the lyrics, as they continue to minister, as they continue in the will of God, God still speaks to their hearts. They're still amazed by his glory and his wonder. Um, and they write the next. Um, war breaks out in 1939. Um, and they have to go back to Britain, him and his wife, they head back to Britain. And it is there that they continue with the gospel, sharing the gospel back in Britain. Um, the blitz years happen. Um, and so we actually get the fourth verse. Well, that was a, a bad time. So we get the fourth verse, which, um, is... If I remember correctly, speaks to uh, the joy of going home. 
we get the fourth verse written after the war sometime. I don't exactly know the, the exact date of the final verse, but um, we have, we know that the end of the war, uh, the Blitz years was in 1940 to 41, um, so roughly right after 41 or so, we have the fourth verse. Um, in 1974, there was a magazine, the Christian Herald, that did a poll and presented to its readers that it named How Great Thou Art as the number one hymn in America. And like I said, it was made popular and uh, by George Beverly Shea and Cliff Barrows. We all know how all that goes down. But this song, which originated in 1886 in Sweden, moves to German, then English, it is picked up, uh, then we move into Russian, and then a variation of it is then inspired by the words and more of His Majesty back into English words, always somewhere around 1941. So we have roughly 55 years in the making and four different languages, several different individuals spread all around the world, all based upon the awe-inspiring creation that is God. It's amazing to me how we miss so much of what God has created for us in these days. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 145. And I want to talk about what David... David is a very tuned into God's majesty type of guy. He's very grateful, very excited about the things that God has done for him in his life. He, a lot of what he wrote or sang about was about how mighty of a God we serve. We live in a technology-driven age. I, I myself, uh, have I love my technology. I'm sitting here today with my computer, my laptop, my phone, my earbuds, so you can hear me. But so many of us are buried into our technology. Earbuds, one of the things that drives me nuts, you want to know a pet peeve of mine? are the people that walk around with earbuds in their ears all the time. Yeah, they're at the store trying to pay for stuff, and they got that music going on. They've got no idea. Some of the funniest things on uh, YouTube, again, technology, to watch are people texting on their phone and smacking into walls or in the doors or, or, or falling into um, fountains. Um, we can laugh for hours over that kind of stuff, but we get so wrapped up in our technology in this isolating world that we miss out on a world created by our masterful God. Mind you, a world that was built solely to sustain us. This world was created for us. Mountains and rivers. 
and meadows and valleys for us. And yet every day, wrapped up in our daily life, we get so stuck and so wrapped and focused on the little things that on a train ride, we miss the mountains as it moves by. Or on a plane ride, we don't just stand in awe of all that we are flying over. Or even on our back porch on a rainy afternoon, listening to the rain fall down on the roof, we don't look out the windows and just think, wow, how amazing is our God. How much has he done for us and built for us that we pass every day? David seems to really get this mindset. He routinely writes in Psalm 145, I'm going to read the first two verses to start with. 145 says, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Listen, we need to dedicate ourselves to praising God daily. You know why we're missing out on his creation? Because we're not focused on him on a daily basis. David says, David's even promising here to spend every day of his life praising God. The word extol means to lift up, to esteem, to praise, to make mighty his, his God to everyone around. God, David says... Ever and ever, every day, and then ever and ever again. David promises, he is claiming that not only forever to extol the name of God, but a daily devotion to praising him as well. So we get so wrapped up in our day-by-day -day life that we miss the daily part I understand that we've given our life, and, and most of you, and, and I'm sure all of you here uh, in, in this video, in this chat here, have given your life to Christ, and you've dedicated your life to God. But so often we forget about the daily standing in his awesome wonder of his creative power and his saving grace. Yes, we come to church on Sunday mornings when we're allowed. And we might even pray for our dinner at dinner time. But that daily, what do we do daily to praise God? Is our, is our life that of esteeming and lifting up God's name on a regular basis, on an hourly by hourly basis? What if there was notes to be taken? How many times does Trevor lift up the name of Christ daily at his job, at his home, with his family, with his friends, with his Facebook? You see, David says daily, every day. The writers of this song took time to notice the mountains the thunderstorms, the birds chirping in the, in the, the, after the storm, 
Do we honestly every day take time to bless the name of God? Oh, it's easy to come to church on Sunday morning and read our Bible for a few minutes and amen the preacher. But now that we're at home, in our homes, unable to go out, unable to do much, how much are we lifting up the name of God? How often are we focused on praising our God in our home? Where is our daily dedication and awe of God? Verse 3 I want to talk about. David says, great, or the psalm says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. I, I love this verse and, I, and this, this really should become one of my personal favorites because this verse says, because he is great and deserving. Oh, how great is our God. And how much he deserves to be praised. David just says there at the beginning, he says, I will extol thee. I will praise thee. I will lift thee up. Why? Because great is the Lord. Why should we daily devote ourselves to God? Because great is our Lord. I bless him. Great and greatly to be praised. And his greatness, his greatness is unsearchable. Too great. We cannot accurately describe how great he is. I ask you this. How much is too much to praise God? Now that's a scary question. Because some people say, well, you know, I go to church and I sing my, the hymns. I serve God enough. Oh, that's scary. Because David says right here, great is the Lord David here says greatness, his greatness, his unsearchable. We put a limit, a time frame on how much greatness or how, how much extolling we will do on God. But David says God deserves it all because he is great. He is so great. We cannot even fathom how great he truly is. The, the mountains that we see, the rain that we hear, doesn't even, not even a drop in the bucket on how great our God's. And yet, it is far more than any of us could ever do. Far more. We let days slide by without praise. We let days slide by without dedication to lifting up God's name. How great of a God we serve. And yet we show that by what? Eh. I don't have time to search your word today, God. I don't have time to pray today, God. I don't have time to study what I need to know so I can witness to those workers or friends or family. Oh, you're a great God, but I can't do this and I can't do that. That is just too much to ask, God. That is a scary place to be. When the writer said, Oh, how great thou art. David says, His greatness is unsearchable. First Chronicles is, is, is I love what this says. 
1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 10 through 13 says, Wherefore David blessed, remember I said David really gets it. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Listen, he, he is, is going to be thou God forever and ever, right? There's not going to be a time he's not God. Thine, O Lord, is greatness, is the greatness, and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty for all that is in heaven, in the heaven and the earth, is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted and head above. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. David says, tells us that God's greatness is all-inclusive. We serve a God with great power and glory, a victorious over death, hell, and the grave God. Our God reigns over all, and he gives strength to those in need. Oh, how great our God. Oh, sing our soul how great thou art. Why should we recognize and, and, and sing how great thou art? Because verse 4 and 5 tells us why. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of glorious honor and of majesty and of thy wondrous works. We always come back to witness and testimony. Why should I sing how great thou art? So others will know. It is my job to make sure the next generation gets it. How will they hear without a preacher? How will they know if I don't tell them about how great our God is? How do they know that the mountains and the waters and the seas and the valleys were created by a powerful God? If that is too much work for me to do. David reminds us here. That is the job of each generation to praise all that God does. To share his works with the next generation. This idea that we let our children decide for themselves is a fat lie from the devil. And it's going to send our children in the next generation, the generation after that, straight to hell. Because we want to let our children make up their own minds. We don't let them make up their own minds about anything else. But yet when it comes to the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the power and the majesty of our God, we're going to let them decide. That's hogwash, if that's even a word, if I'm allowed to use that. David said, speak of his glorious honor and his wondrous works. We cannot even burden or unburden ourselves for a few moments daily to take in God's creation. How will the next generation learn his right, learn about his might? My brother and my sister is both in here and they can attest. My father, they can attest to this. Um, anytime I spent the night with my mama and my papa, um, they would spend their mornings on the back porch with a cup of coffee just watching the sun rise. And I believe Mamaw still does that to this very day. She sits out on the front porch rocking in her rocking chair, watching as people drive by and drinking in the majesty of her God. My papa, day after day, would sit on that back porch and just start his day 
bringing in the majesty of the creation of a God who cared enough about each and every one of us to put up what we needed in this world. For my soul to sing how great thou art, I must love God with all of my heart. I must bless him every day. I must praise him forever and ever. Then my heart will be overloaded with his awesome wonder. Listen, the reason why a lot of us can't stand on the back porch and drink in God's creation is because our heart is not focused on God. Our heart is more focused on ourself than it is on pleasing a mighty God. If then, like the songwriters and like David, if then when you're truly focused on what God can do, then your heart will sing. My God, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you, I'm going to beg each and every one of you tomorrow morning. Start your morning staring out the window, on the back porch or on the front porch, focusing on God's creation. And from this day on out, show our children, pull out the earbuds, get off of the cell phones for a little while. And just look and see of the mighty creation that has inspired so many things in the word of God. Inspired so many songs written about how great our God is. He deserves to be praised because all of that he is. Now like fashion, previous fashion, I'm going to sing, I'm going to not sing the song. I'm going to read this. Read the song to you. starts like this. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the words thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountains grander and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce cannot can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. When Christ shall come with shouts of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and proclaim my God how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great thou art. Now, 